You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Or learn more about us online at theriverdurant.com. Amen. Amen. So uh, this is what's coming. We're going to talk about deception this morning. And uh, uh, I take it because you didn't have a dinner. You wanted to hear me preach a lot longer. Because usually you have the dinner. It takes up a lot of time. And Linda's leaving and, and everything. So we're going to talk long, but not too long. But we're going to talk about deception. And the thing about deception is, if you're deceived, you don't know it. That's the problem with deception. But the Bible gives us some guidelines, or I don't want to say a test, or let's call it a survey, because most of us suffer from a fear of failure, and we don't want to take a test in case we'd be wrong. So we don't want to put you through that guilt and condemnation, so let's just call it a survey. The Bible gives us surveys to let us know if we're deceived. And there's some wisdom in the Word that will, once we realize that, we're de- that we've been deceived, how to stay undeceived and keep from falling in deception as we live and run the race that's set before us and live the Christian life we have to live because the Bible tells us there's going to be strange and peculiar doctrines that blow in through the wind. And we in the body of Christ have to be wise in what we hear and what we take in to our belief system. Because we haven't been wise in, uh, in, in what we've heard in the past. And we, some of us have whole belief system based on wrong foundations. And when you have a, a, a life built upon a wrong foundation, uh, that whole life is wrong. You're not walking in truth. You're not walking in wisdom. And so this is really going to, I hope, help you. First of all, I hope you check yourself to find out, oops, I might have been deceived. And if you go, oops, I might have been deceived in my life, now you, I hope you're excited and, and hungry enough to hear the truth because the scripture we're going to talk about basically, we all heard about, but it says the truth will make you free. Well, now we say that verse, but have we ever read the context? We say that verse. We know that verse. Oh, that truth. Yeah, I've always asked people when they say, the truth is that you free. I say, from what? They look at me and go, well, uh, I don't know, just set you free. <laughs> and I say, from what? You've got to know you're in bondage so the truth can set you free. So it's, you're, you're in some kind of bondage. You're in some kind of deception. And the truth will set you free from the deception you were in. Now, how many people have ever been wrong before? Raise your hand. So if you were wrong once, <laughs> what makes you think you're not wrong again? <laughs> but guess what? The truth will set you free. So let's read this passage of Scripture in the book of John, chapter 8. Let me explain John chapter 8 before we read the scripture. Just to give you a little. It's so important to keep the scriptures we quote in context so we don't misquote them or misunderstand them. Okay? So John chapter 8, we've talked about this before, and so we're not going to talk about it in detail this morning. 
But uh, John chapter 8 starts off where Jesus is coming into the temple. Everybody say temple. So we recognize what the temple is. What would the temple be called today, or what would we refer to as the temple today? Our church. Jesus is walking into the church of that time. He's walking into the most religious place on the planet. Everybody got the picture? He's walking into the house of God. Can everybody say that? Okay. So he's walking into the house of God. He, he's coming into the church. He's coming into the temple. And this is the story that starts out the chapter where they bring him a woman caught in adultery. And we talked about this, I think, last time we were here or the time before that. I can't remember when. But she was caught in adultery. And as they were in the temple, the scripture plainly says that they brought her and put her in the midst. Everybody say midst. That means the center. They put her in the center. They made her the center focus of the issue in the church. They made sin. The center. Who else was in the church? Say Jesus. See, Jesus wasn't the center focus in the church. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, are we going to meddle or what? See, see, Jesus wasn't the center focus. The sin was. Just not the sin. But who did they quote when they put the sin in the middle, the center, the focus of this religious organization, who did they put on top of that? Moses. They said, this woman was called in adultery, and Moses says, see, you can't have sin without the law. You can't have sin without Moses. And that was in the center. It was the center focus. See, sin is not the issue. But sin is our problem. You need to remember that. You need to write that down. Sin is not the issue. But sin is the problem. Who's supposed to be the issue? Jesus. Love. But the church has made sin the issue. See, this is how this chapter starts. It starts off, you know, like it says here in uh, 13, the Pharisees, therefore. So another, he's talking to the Pharisees. Now what I love about this passage of Scripture, which we're not going to talk about, <laughs> you know, they brought this person that says, what do you say? Now we're going to talk about Jesus kneeling down and taking his finger and writing, the Scripture says, in the ground. You know what, that's what the Scripture says, right? But how many people know what, was, what the floor of the temple was made out of? It wasn't made out of dirt. There was no dirt in the church. It was cobblestone. What was the law written on the first time? What was it written on? I believe the finger that wrote it the first time was writing it again. We won't talk about that. But I love this. Just to make it sum it up real quickly, Jesus said, listen, Jesus turned at the end of the story, he turns to this lady and says, where are your accusers? And she says, there are none. And Jesus says this, Nor do I accuse you. Go and what? The ability not to sin came from the realization or the revelation there's no condemnation. 
See, the ability not to sin came from... See, your ability not to sin doesn't come from you focusing on your sin. The church says, go and sin no more, and we won't accuse. That's what, that's what the religious structure says. Well, if you don't do this, you are accepted amongst our brethren. See, the ability not to sin comes from a freedom and a liberty that is only found when you focus on Christ. Dang it, boy. I learned that down south, by the way, not up north. It just kind of com comes out every once in a while. Matter of fact, they sent us back down here to get our southern accent back. Strange and peculiar people up there. All right. <laughs> Here's my sign. So what we, what we want to understand is this is, how, this is how the chapter 8 begins. You know how it ends? Just to show you what the truth... We're just setting this up so you can understand the phrase, the truth has set you free. You know how it ends? We're not, we're, we're not going to read it. And I'll just go through it real quick. When Jesus leaves, it ends at the very end of chapter 8 and the beginning of chapter 9. It says he leaves the temple, or he's walking through them to leave the temple. And as he walked through them to leave the temple, he comes across. He hadn't even got out the door. And he runs across somebody that was blind from birth. Hadn't even got out the door. And his own disciples, Jesus, Jesus, who sinned? Even his own disciples had still a mindset based on sin. Now, let me show you what sin will do to you. It will make you stupid. I know that's nice to, not, it's not nice to say that in church. It's not nice to say that, but sin will just make you stupid. Stupid is, is what stupid does. That's not a scripture. I don't want you to think I'm going to quote scripture on that one. That's not from the Bible. That's from Hollywood. But it's a good quote. Sin, sin will make you stupid. Listen, you, why do I say that? Listen, the disciples said... Jesus, who sinned? This boy who was blind from birth? Or his parents? That's stupid! If you hadn't caught it yet, how can a boy blind from birth do anything to sin before he's born? It caused him to be blind. Now, I always heard there wasn't a stupid question. There's no stupid question. That ranks as a stupid question. I'm sorry. It does. In reality, it's stupid. How They were saying, who, they, see, they were focused on sin instead of Jesus. So this whole passage of Scripture here is full of people being deceived. Look what it says here in John chapter 8. So, and, and we could talk more about that, but we just don't have the time. In John chapter 8, let's start at verse 30. John chapter 8, verse 30. Oh, and I like that back there. That is so, I've always wanted to have that while I was here, but I, I wasn't, anyway. 
as he spoke. Wasn't here long enough, I guess. As he spoke these words, many believed him. Next verse. Let's go real quickly here. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, everybody say abide. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Now, we've heard lots of talk about being disciples, right? But you know what? That's not the goal of Christianity, is make you a disciple. See, before the cross, that was the goal. Before Calvary, being a disciple of somebody was the issue. But after Calvary, it's not the issue. Aren't we supposed to go make disciples? Yeah. But let's see what happens when you're made a disciple and you abide in the Word. See, being a disciple is what we call conditional. Because this says, if you abide in my Word, you are my disciples. So in other words, if you don't abide in His Word, you're not His disciples. So being a disciple is conditional. Say conditional. And that's where most of us have lived our life. It's conditional Christianity. It's performance-based relationship with Christ. It's all based on what you did instead of what He's done. And we get that from these kind of scriptures. See, we start becoming deceived and living in ignorance because we really don't know what's taking place. But that's why the gift of a teacher is in the house. Amen? Amen? That's why it's so important for the body of Christ to be taught the Word instead of just preached the Word. All right? You need to be inspired, trust me. But we need to come out of stupid too. All right? So let's see what happens here. Now, who is he talking to in this passage of Scripture? Say the Pharisees. He is still in the church. The same Pharisees that brought him this woman called in adultery he is speaking to again. And what's he say? Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Next verse. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. How are you going to get to know the truth unless you abide in his word? In other words, the more words you abide in, the more truth is revealed. Did you know the truth as soon as you got saved? No. You had to renew your mind. You had to learn. You had to get some truth in you. See, His Word will reveal the deception you've lived in. His Word will reveal the deception that you have been in. Remember, who is He talking to? Were they... Now, were... We need to have a big disclaimer. So whenever I come here, it's just put up right there so everybody can see it, warning you that the, the messages and in, thoughts and intents of this, this message is not condoned or necessarily supported by what a local ministry, you know, like the war, you know, our warning, you know, some kind of, like it's the radio station does not support, you know, whatever that is. Because I may say some things that just make you go cuckoo. I got a question. Now, how many of you have ever heard any things I've ever said? I've never said anything to make this congregation go cuckoo, have I? No, never challenged you once before. Well, I got a question. Who was he talking to? He was talking to Pharisees in the church, the church leaders. And this is what he said. If you abide in my word.
whose word had they been biting in? Were they free? No. Had they been biting in his word? Who gave Moses the word? God gave Moses the word. That's hard to say, isn't it? You mean God's Jesus was saying that my word is different than God's word? That's heresy. Throw this man out of the building. Hey. Well, that's what they were doing to Jesus. God's word said kill his enemies. Jesus' word said... See, there's a word of God, or there's a word under the law, or there's a word of God under the law, let's put it that way, that will deceive you and keep you in bondage. Now, where did Jesus get his words? He only did and said what he... See, they did what they heard God say. He did what he heard the Father say. Oh, come on, you're not getting this. You're not getting this. They did what they heard on the law that God said to do. And Jesus did and heard what he said the Father to do. Oh, there is a difference. See, Jesus didn't come to the Jews to expose them to God, to introduce them to God. He came to the Jews. See, they knew God. And they were afraid. He came to introduce them to the... Because they had no idea. This whole passage of Scripture that we're about ready to read is about the Father. Jesus was referring throughout this Scripture, talking about he, He's doing from the Father. He's coming from the Father. And they're going, we don't understand what He's talking about. Because they didn't understand the concept of God being Father. Because they were, had been deceived. How do we know that these people were deceived just because I'm saying it? No. Let's re read what the scripture says. Let's put it back up there again. The one he was just left on. What we? And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Next verse. They answered him, We. Can't you hear the pride? Remember, these are church people full of pride, right? <laughs> No, not this church. No. Other churches. I know you, we don't deal with that at the river. No. We never stand up and say, No, we're a non-denominational church. Oh, no, no. Only when we were Baptists we said, Oh, we're Baptists. What? They answered and said to him, We are Abraham's descendants. Yeah. Where are they getting their identity from? Let's say their heritage. Where do most people get their identity from? Their heritage or their denomination? The name of the church they went to? I'm Baptist. Up there we hear, I'm Lutheran. I'm Catholic. I'm Baptist. My response is, I don't care. Sometimes that sensitivity thing just doesn't come out. I don't communicate it well. But it was for their own good because I'm trying to get, to get them an identity in Christ. Yeah. To quit focused on what has been established under the law. 
to show you how we are, to show you how we are all deceived, not, de not deceived, but how law-based we are. One day, where's Chris? No, don't stand up. One day, my son and my daughters are going to get married. One day. I'm praying and fasting, calling down angels from heaven. Happen to enjoy that one. But what do we call the person that marries into our family? A daughter in law. Why not a daughter in love? A son in love. A mother in law. <laughs> we work for that one. <laughs> that was just a kidding, honey. You know what I'm saying? Why is it called? <laughs> oh, you just got that, huh? <laughs> that's the law part because you have to that's right that's law love her because you have to no just kidding but you love her because you want to the law doesn't dictate it because you want to they answered and said to him we are Abraham's descendants listen to this and have never been in bondage to no one I ran across it. I literally cracked up laughing. Who said this? The leaders of the Jews who study their history. Got a question? When weren't they in bondage to somebody? You ever heard of Egypt? For 430 years? At the time they quoted this. Thank you for, oh, that's good. At the time they quoted this, they were in bondage to Rome. That's right. That's stupid. I cracked up. I pre listen, listen, I just laughed. My, I started thinking. I, I wanted to go to our great historian. Uh, that's not here, and ask him, when were the, when were the, well, you know, you know when they weren't in bondage? When they're in the promised land. Come on, this is good, girl. You know what I'm saying? This is good. You got to tell him what he missed today. This is good. I know one of the times they weren't in bondage were there in the promised land. Living in God's promises, not His provision. We won't go back and talk about that. Listen, they said, we have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Next verse. Jesus answered and said, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. Aha! Aha! A sin verse. Let's focus on sin instead of focusing on him. Let's read the next verse. A slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son. What? A son. This whole passage of Scripture is about a father and a Let's go on. A slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. 
forever. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, not your bylaws, not your doctrine, and not your heritage. I am born Texan. <laughs> Notice, I didn't get a lot of applause on that, did I? Oh, he's Oklahoma going. <laughs> Some of you were born Sooners. See? But, see, I want you to understand that you're a son because of him. And your identity goes be. This is just, listen, I'm proud to be a Texan. I spent four years in the Marine Corps. I'm proud to be a Marine. But those are all short-term identities. You understand? God's using those short-term identities to get you in people's groups so you can relate and minister and be effective in those people groups that God's called you to be ministered in. But you're not there. At, listen, I am not a Texan ministering as a Texan. I am a son of the Most High God, and He had me born in Texas, and I was birthed into a family. Listen, I was birthed into a family called Coker. But God just used my parents to get me here. That was a short, that's my short-term identity, but my real identity I get from my Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. How many people worried about your short-term identity over your... Well, if you're worried about your short-term identity, you are deceived. The Pharisees of this church, the most religious place in the world on the planet, were studying the law every day of their life and they were so deceived they couldn't see the truth. Matter of fact, it skewed their history in their understanding. To say that they had never been in bondage when that's all they were ever in that truth has not set them free. Now, we're going to meddle just a little bit. Oh, I don't need these. This is good. <laughs> Do I? Oh, tell him thank you. I, I tell you, that's like, I like that. See, it makes you think I'm, it makes you think I'm quoting scripture. If I can just look out the side of my eye here, you know. No, don't do that. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay, let's look at some more of this real quickly in John chapter 8. Let's just go to the next verse. I'll, I'll just hold this like I'm reading the Bible. Says, I know that you are Abraham's seed. See, Jesus knew that they truly were Abraham's seed. I know that you are Abraham's seed or his descendants, but you seek to what? Because my words have no place in you. Next verse. I speak what I have seen. Uh-oh, there it is. Jesus is speaking what he has seen with his Father. And you do what you have seen with... How many different fathers are mentioned in this passage of Scripture? Everybody hold up two fingers. Chuck doesn't like to be wrong. 
It says, I speak what I have seen with my father. You do what you have seen with your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would, you would do the works of Abraham. Next verse. But now you seek to... Let me explain this real quick, what we're just entered into. Whenever you hear anybody in this world, on this planet, say that they serve the same God you serve, that the God of the Islam is the same God of the Jew, they are deceived. And if you believe that, you are deceived. Jesus is about ready to explain the difference between what everybody else says God is and what He says God is. Don't ever, I rebuke you if you submit to the mindset that the God of Islam, are they not descendants of Abraham? They are direct descendants from Abraham. And that's one of their statements. But we're of Abraham just like the Jews. Oh, it's getting quiet in this Pentecostal holiness spirit-filled Catholic church. <laughs> I got that from Dwayne Sheriff. If you hadn't heard that before, that's good. That's good though, isn't it? Sometimes you've got to quote a great man of God. Wow. Look at this. But now you seek to kill me. A man who has told you the truth. See, sometimes, see, there's going to be some people. I, I wish it wasn't true. There's going to be some people here that reject what I'm saying, even though it's the truth. Just like they are about to do. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. Next verse. You do the deeds of your father. Didn't Jesus make a distinction between his father and theirs? You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, We were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. See, they're declaring in their deception that they serve the same God and father as Jesus. But they wanted to kill him. You're not ready for this. Because this is the truth, and you need to hear this from a pastor. You need to hear this. So you know what to receive and what not to receive over the news. Next verse. Jesus said to them, If God were your father... Oh, sorry. Because you're If God were your father, you would love me. One of the first prerequisites of someone saying that God, the God that you serve, is the same God, they will have a love for Jesus and His words. For I proceeded forth from my, God, from my God, nor have I come of myself, but He has uh, He sent me. Why do you, excuse me, listen to this, why do, uh, why do you not understand my speech? 
See, they couldn't understand his speech because you are not able to listen to my words because they were coming from two different fathers. Next verse. You are of your father. I didn't, what, what, what's the next word? I'm going to say it again. You are of your father, the And who is he speaking to? Some of y'all that went right past, but I came, I'm here to bring it right back. So you're not going to miss it. I don't care. I can say it. I, I'm not, excuse me, I don't say it that way. That's so unpastoral. I'm not concerned. You may, excuse me, not you, other churches, other people that you might know. You, you know some people, you know what deception, you know people that think that drugs make them happy? Is that deceived or what? How many people have tried to tell them the truth? Do they receive it? Because it is hot. when see when you're deceived you don't know you're deceived so here is a guideline oh you want some more guidelines turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1 we could have stayed right here all day didn't play and had a good time but we're going to show you some more Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees the Jews in the temple in the church at the beginning of the book, he was they were looking and focused at sin under the law. At the end of the book, they were focused at sin and under the law. And so right in the middle, he's dealing with deception that comes from focused on sin and under the law. Got it? So in Hebrews, who was it written to? <laughs> the Jews who were under the law. I love this. Hebrews 6 verse 1. Therefore... Now, do you need it? Let me set the stage real quickly. Right before this, he called them babes. That they needed to grow up. He said, by now you should be mature in the word of righteousness. Everybody say righteousness. righteousness. But see, they weren't mature in the word of righteousness. They were babes in the law. They were still under the law in their mindset. And he's saying, you should be teachers by now, teaching righteousness, but they're still teaching the law. Look what it says here. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ. Stop right here. There are certain things that you should know the moment that you're born again and the first things you walk through in life. That's why we're having a sonship school up in Parker's Prairie, Minnesota so we can teach people how to be sons. We can bring them out of where they've been into the truth that will set them free from their past to put them into their future. Listen, we need to walk our future as sons of, as sons of God. Jesus was the first of Many brethren. At one time, he was the only begotten son. And then his title changed, the first of many. And you're the many. We need to see. Most of us aren't doing, doing. Everybody say doing. doing. 
Paul said he did more. Say did. did. He did more because of the grace. He didn't do less. Your doing needs to line up with your sonship, not with your past. Most people do what they do because of what they've done in the past. And the whole message of Christ is to get our identity based in Him, and, but we have to be set free from our deception. I mean, this is incredible. Jesus told the people of the church, the most religious place on the planet, that their father was the devil based on what they were about wanting to do to him, kill him. Got a question. Your actions are based on what? Are they like, see, see, I believe as long as you abide in the word, you're going to learn the truth, and the more truth you live in and learn, the, more, the freer you will be. Does everybody understand that? Look at this. It says, therefore, leaving the, the discussion of the elementary. Say elementary. What's elementary mean? The basic fundamentals. It goes on and talks about, uh, let's just read. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go what? On to perfection, not late. See, you know, there's a scripture that says that you're already perfected. Book of Colossians says you're already perfected in Christ. You're perfect in Christ. How can you go on to perfection if you're already perfect? See, that's a, that throws the... You got this one, one church over here saying this. Well, we got to go on to perfection because we're not perfect. And you got this one church over here that says, we're perfect. And everybody says, well, you don't look like it. <laughs> you don't live like it, but I'm perfect. But see, we need to understand that it's not about this or this. That's, the, that's the, just a little side note here. That's the importance of understanding a paradox. A truth is always in a paradox. It's not positive or negative. It's what happens in between the positive and negative that causes light to come forth. God is the alpha and the omega. He's the and. He's all the stuff in between. It's the combination of things. It's the joining together of, of see, it's just not, see, this is information and that's information. No, it's what happens in between the information from revelation that causes life and liberty in the pursuit of happiness. Amen. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <sighs> Super Christian. Why not? Super son. What we need to understand is that these are elementary principles and what it says here, now this is, this is going to identify to show you the condition of the church and why the church isn't doing what it's supposed to be doing. Let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repenting from sin. Wait a minute. Therefore, leaving the discussion elementary principles of Christ... Let us go into perfection, not laying in the, the foundation. Everybody say foundation. foundation. The first and most important thing is the foundation of repentance from what? I thought the most important thing in our Christian life was to repent from sin. You know why it doesn't say repent from sin? It doesn't say don't repent from sin. It says the foundation of repentance from sin. How many people are still repenting from sin? Because if the foundation of repentance from sin is your foundation, if that's the beginning and basis, you will always be focused on your sin. 
just like the Pharisees were focused on sin, just like the disciples were focused on sin and never saw Jesus. They were always deceived because they were focused on sin. As long as you're focused on sin, you'll never see Him. How come the church... I'm sorry. How come the Bible schools and the churches, I've never heard anything taught. You know, I've always heard that we're supposed to, the most important thing is repentance from sin. Does anybody disagree with me here in this charismatic, Pentecostal, <laughs> Baptist, Lutheran, non-denominational Catholic, Episcopalian, that's a good one. Church of God in Christ, holiness. Whatever you want to call yourself. And this, there, there's six of these, or five, however you want to look at them. But the first one is the most, it's called foundation. It's called foundation. In Hebrews chapter 13, uh, we'll come back to this, but go, go to, put on Hebrews 13, 9. Hebrews 13, 9 says this. Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. And what did I say when we, very, we began this? That my heart for you as a pastor is that you don't be carried about with various and strange doctrines as the winds blow. Because you're going to hear them. You'll hear people, ah! They'll come in against grace message. You got people coming against the faith message. You got people coming against salvation. You got people coming against Jesus. Why? Because they're of a different father. <laughs> They're of the devil. Did you call other people? I said it! Pastor John didn't. Pastor Ann didn't. I did. Blame me. Send the love letters to me. If you don't love Jesus and His Word and you're about something else, you are of the Father, your devil. Or, yeah, your Father, the devil. Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines, for it is good. Everybody say good. good. Who's he talking to? Pharisees, people. In that your heart be established by grace. Wow. Put 1 Corinthians um, 4. I think it is. I might have to look this one up. 1 Corinthians 3, 10, 11. 10 and 11. 1 Corinthians 3. I just turned the page in the computer. There you go. <laughs> According to the grace of God, this is Apostle Paul teaching now to the Gentile world. He says, According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise what? Master builder, I, Paul, have laid the foundation. Ever say foundation? And other builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. Next verse. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ not Moses. Man, I tell you what. You'll have lots of people in your life if you come, as you come to this church 
longer and longer, you'll still hear more and more truth that has set you free. And you're going to have people in your past. You go to that church out there called the river, I heard they teach that it's Jesus and Him only. Bless God, don't they know that you've got to do to get, you've got to do, you've got to do, you've got to do, you've got to do. <laughs> Did anybody recognize that person? How can they say it's just about him and what he's done for you? See, because as long as you're focused on sin, you're going to be deceived. Like the church leaders were. Am I saying church leaders are deceived? See that motion? Oh, not here. No, 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 no. Not, not these church leaders. I, I don't worship them, but you know what I'm saying? They're, they're good peoples. Listen. As long as you're focused on sin, the truth's not going to set you free. The moment you start focusing on His words, well, God's word says... Well, what does Jesus' word say? Is there a difference? The difference is Old Covenant versus New Covenant. It is that simple. Old Testament doesn't mean New Covenant. There's a difference. I say difference. The scripture says rightly dividing the word of Was there a truth in the old covenant? Is there a truth in the new covenant? Are they different? Yes! There is a difference because everything has to go through Calvary. The blood of Jesus touches everything. I want you to read and I want you to learn about the Old Covenant, but take everything through the cross and then live according to what comes through the cross. If it doesn't come through the cross, don't do it. Because right. it'll keep you in bondage. You know what? This is, this is how church does it. Well, they, see, they, they're trying to obey the Old Covenant and New Covenant at the same time. Here's how it works. God said, kill His enemies. Jesus said, love his enemies. So the church, the new covenant, the, the new church of America, you know what they choose to do? They love to kill their enemies. <laughs> they persecute them babies as much as I'll. They just like, ah, cha, cha. Why, you're not doing You don't line up with us? Get out of here. Yeah. Words, curses, blaming, killing, slapping. We're supposed to speak words of blessing. You know, I'll tell you what, church, you need to quit picking on other people and just hope they get a revelation of Jesus Christ in their life. Because when you take people out of religion and get them into Christ, they're set free. Yeah. And they quit fighting for their denomination. I got news for you. Every, everybody say every. You may, you may not want to go any further with this confession because you may not believe it. Let me, let me make my confession. Let me just tell you, every denomination is wrong. Every denomination is deceived. Because as long as they're promoting identity through their denomination, they're not, a, not promoting identity in Christ. And when there's identity in Christ, you are set free from what this world can offer you. Come on, church. That, come on, church. That's, that's good stuff right there. I tell you what, this is just incredible. I, uh, I saw all this and it just set me free. Of course, I've been free for a long time. You understand? 
Let me just read it. Put, put verse 44 back up. Uh, excuse me, John 8, 44. It says, You are of your father the devil. But how many people know we're supposed to listen to the words in red? Is this in red? Israel, you need to do something about that. You need to, can you put that in red? No, but, <laughs> listen. It says, you are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. Okay, now wait a minute. I can't do it no more. I need a treat. Now, if you've never been here when I was, I'll just stand over here. It's funny what this spot in the church will represent for those that know better. Just imagine a tree here. It says the devil was a murderer from the from the beginning. In the book of Corinthians, it says that Paul says, "I'm worried that you be deceived." Say deceived, as Eve was deceived. How was Eve deceived? Remember this. How was Eve deceived in the garden? In the beginning is where Eve was at. And the devil has been sinning since the beginning. How did Eve get deceived? Eve said, God said, when she was talking to the serpent, Eve said, God said, quoting God's law, not to eat it, the fruit, or touch it, least we die. Aha! The devil knew right then she had not heard the truth and jumped on it and said, basically he said, touch it, you surely won't die. You know why? Because she could touch it all day long and never die. See, Eve never heard the word. Walk with me here. When Adam and God had the conversation, and God told Adam not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Eve was still a rib. She hadn't been made yet. That's why we're here. And the only person that told her what God said was Adam. Wow. And to keep her from eating it, I believe he added to it and said, just don't touch it. So she was deceived. See, she didn't hear the word. She was told the word. Faith comes by not being told. The children of Israel were supposed to approach the mountain and hear the Ten Commandments from God. You know what they said? Oh, we're scared of God. So you go in our stead and come back, you hear, and come back and tell what He said. That is the way most churches Operate. The pastor approached the, the mountain of God. During the week, he climbs that holy mountain. He brazes the fire. 
He proves himself worthy to hear a word. And when he doesn't come down charred, he comes down radiant and tells people what God said. Bless God. Because they were being told the word, they always had a problem with obeying it. See, as long as you're told what the Word says, you'll always have a problem obeying it. But if you ever hear the Word, because faith comes by hearing. And hearing comes by the Word of God. Wait a minute. The Word of God in the Old Covenant? Or the Word of God in the New Covenant? Come on. You have a choice in life. Live under the Old Covenant by that Word or live under the New Covenant by the New Covenant Word. It's your choice. Thank you very much for having me back again. Let's pray. <laughs> Father, we thank you for this opportunity you've given us to gather together in your name and open up your word and hear its wisdom and its logic that sets us free from what man has created. Father, I thank you that we're a new creature in Christ. Old, old things are passed away. All things have become new in Christ. Father, I thank you that everything that pertains to life and godliness has already been given unto us, your children. That we don't have to live in a land of uh, provision, that you want us to live in the promised land, where the promise of you are yes and amen. Father, I thank you that you've sent your spirit on this earth to establish your kingdom, and that we are sons that serve our Father's business in his kingdom coming on this earth and His will being done on this place. In Jesus' name, we give you praise and we give you glory for all that you are doing in this, your place, called the river. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.